Hello, I'm Dr. Ishan, a board-certified sleep psychologist. I noticed a tendency in the advertisement of a lot of sleep products. They claim they can help us get more deep sleep. So, how important is our deep sleep? Can we really benefit from getting more of it? Do you know that certain songs actually could impact our deep sleep? Today, our guest is Dr. Daniel Gartenberg, the founder and CEO of Sleep Space. He will discuss with us the science behind deep sleep. Don't walk away. We'll be right back. I want to thank PeaceNest.com for sending me their signature product, Prime Soft Lightweight Dawn Alternative Comforter. It's Oikotex certified. Very soft and lightweighted, and they use all of the cruelty-free materials. If you want to try it, they offered my audience ten percent off coupon. The coupon code is Ishan Ten. I will share more of my own trial experience at the end of this episode. Now let's welcome Dr. Gartenberg. Hi, Dr. Gartenberg. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Thanks for having me. So happy to be here. I'm excited. I know we're going to talk about something slightly different than many other episodes. But before we get started, just curious, what got you into the field of sleep science? Yeah, it's a long story. I mean, I think I, I suffered from delayed sleep phase syndrome in high school, where、oh. you, you know you basically go out late on the weekends, and I remember waking up at five thirty for school. There's actually a really great TED talk about how early school starts times are,、uh, you know, really unhealthy for children. And so I had my struggles, and I've always been a, a thinker, a, a ruminator, you might say. And I think those types of thinkers can have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. And then my whole family was in the healthcare business, and growing up, my dad always told me not to become a doctor because of how. Broken a lot of aspects of our health. Unfortunately, our healthcare are, and I essentially I see sleep as a way、um, to solve a lot of those problems because I think a lot of wellness hangs on sleep. It aligns really well with my interest in AI and software development and psychology and dreaming, and so it just was like a, a passion. And I was one of the first apps on the App Store back in 2010. And then I ended up, you know, getting a PhD in experimental psychology, and here I am today trying to make it work with my tech. Wow, wonderful! Yeah, yeah. so you are combining both sleep science, sleep knowledge, and the、uh, technology, which I think is very much needed nowadays. And it's really, a, it's a really fun problem because technology, in almost every way, has made us more anxious. You know. Like the smartphone is such a problem, really, and so the thing about sleep is, you know, tech hurts sleep, and so making tech that actually helps sleep is sort of a, a tightrope walk that's difficult to navigate.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Nowadays, talk about technology, right?、Uh, all these trackers out there and uh, uh, supposed to help us. Be be more careful about our sleep. Be more mindful, but it causes more like uh, uh, insomnia problems, and a lot of people tend to see sleep as a performance cause even more problem, right? 
Yeah, and so obviously I'm sure you're familiar with the new term in clinical psychology, orthosomnia, Mm -hmm. where the data from the devices actually causes you more anxiety because you're already sort of anxious about your sleep, and then you sleep worse. So there can be some irony there. I think oftentimes the devices do help and they, you know, help you figure out things like, you know, alcohol really does mess with my sleep. And I see that clearly on this data here. But that was something that was particularly hard to navigate when I'm building my technology sleep space. Um, And we had to interview a bunch of clinicians. I work with a professor at the University of Arizona, Dr. Daniel Taylor, and him and his postdocs figuring out what they actually need to administer their treatment for insomnia. And sometimes it's not the data from the wearables. So, you know, just for some background, we made some software that connects all the wearables. So if you use an Aura ring, we'll sync with that. If you use an Apple Watch, we'll sync with that. And then we have a nearable sleep tracking technology that works with the standalone phone. I can get into that. But then on top of all that, so I see like levels of measurement. And on top of all that, you have the consensus sleep diary, as I'm sure you use maybe in your your practice. And they're all signals to something that's relevant to your sleep. They're all useful information. You know, a lot of times, especially if it's insomnia, your perception of sleep is actually almost more important than what the data is telling you, right? Right. But that's only for when you're dealing with insomnia. In other cases, the data might actually be more important. But for the case of insomnia, which is what we're talking about here, and so what we'll do is we'll actually not show, we'll create a mode in the app where you don't see your objective data until you enter your subjective data, basically. Basically, I think what's needed is an interface that is personalizable such that you're getting the information you need based on your problem. And you can also do things like change your recovery score based on your unique sleep need. Um, That's some of the ways that I think I've tried to solve the orthosomnia problem. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's really smart because um, first when I treat patients, yes, I always ask them to remove the sleep trackers. I don't want them to look at any objective data during the at least the course of treatment, right? It's in yeah. four weeks, no trackers. Right. Um, but I do want them to submit some like right. um, you know, data like to show me their perception of their right. sleep. That is helpful enough already. And uh, myself, when I had some sleep trackers, I noticed I got anxious, even though I don't have insomnia generally, but I start looking at my data every morning and try to interpret that. And I noticed a lot of people actually interpret those data. They have limited knowledge. Yeah, so that that's like, I've seen the algorithms. Like I intimately know the algorithms. So like, and I've also gone to a sleep lab and had myself PSG. And I know that, you know, I get a healthy amount of deep sleep, but I also know when I compared Aura Ring to PSG to Apple Watch to Philips um, Spectrum Pro, um, which is a more clinical device, that oftentimes the Aura will underestimate deep sleep. This is just one example of people misinterpreting data. 
So when I'm doing like coaching sessions with folks that are showing me some of the wearable data, I'm telling them to not look at the absolute value as much as the relative value when you're interpreting the metric. So that's just one example that I thought your, your yeah. listeners might. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I like the way you, when you coach people, how you guide them. Because I know a lot of people look at exactly the value, the percentage even. There's some Chinese variables, even worse. They tell you compared to all the other people, you're sleeping at the bottom, <laughs> how many right. percentage? Oh, that's interesting though, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that made me more anxious. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, and honestly, people, I mean, I go through phases, right? And, you know, I think the most important thing is understanding metacognitively where you're at. Um, and then, you know, identifying where I'm at in my circadian rhythm, where I'm at with my anxiety, where I'm at with my sleep need. And, you know, knowing sometimes external factors drive you into a little bit of an unhealthy state and being aware of that and then making the changes to try to address it. So, mm. yeah. So I want to ask you, since you are so familiar with technology and I, I know you're involved in creating some great device and apps, you know, when we treat insomnia patients or we help people optimize their sleep, we always want to emphasize sleep quality. It's more important than sleep quantity, right? So, uh, but a lot of people really focus on how many hours of uh, deep sleep I have, how many hours this, that I have. How, what are some good methods to really help people improve the sleep quality and what is good sleep quality exactly what do you think yeah so i mean the, i kind of visualize it like a ladder basically and i'm trying to climb this ladder to optimum performance and depending on where you're at in the ladder you should sort of do different things so you know somewhere towards the bottom of the ladder maybe is non-compliant sleep apnea <laughs> for example <laughs> um so like if you have like a real physiological problem and you're not getting it treated, you really got to get that treated before you can step up uh, on the ladder. So another example is if you're an insomniac, I would say that's a little bit lower on the ladder. The tricky thing is with that is there's this tension between consolidating the sleep versus getting enough sleep. This is why it's sort of knowing where you're at, right? And then there's another huge section of the population that just sleep deprives them, themselves, right? Um, and so, you know, I have these personas that I think about and I try to, and I'll actually shift, you know, I'm actually in sleep deprived mode right now because I'm basically working too much and there's a lot going on in my life right now. Um, I'm aware of where I'm at in that. And obviously when you sleep deprive yourself, that's one of the treatments for insomnia in a way, as you're aware, compressing the time in bed is really one of the main effects in helping someone that's, that struggles with insomnia. It's one of the things that you do because you want to build up that homeostatic sleep drive such that they're in bed asleep and then you'll gradually increase the time in bed, right? So there's a natural tension there where the insomniac, and obviously I'm sure you walk people through this, they think, oh my God, I'm awake for 40% of the time. I need to spend 12 hours in bed 
to get the eight hours of sleep that my doc that um, I've heard the media say that I need. You know, as you're probably telling them, no, actually, you should do the exact opposite, right? You should compress the time in bed, if anything. So it's sort of a complicated answer, I guess. But just be aware that there's this natural tension where you want to get enough sleep, but you also, if you are having struggling with falling asleep and staying asleep, you want to compress the time in bed. Knowing your body's sleep need when you're not in an anxious or manic state, because you actually, I think, have a lower sleep need when you're in a more anxious state. But knowing your sleep need when you're in a calm state is really a really important variable to, to, to solving what you should do. Yeah, yeah. To really be mindful about, you know, what's where you are, what you are looking for, what can really help you, not just to follow whatever you think or the advice online. Yeah. And, and that's why I think, you know, some talking to someone like you who's seen, you know, hundreds, thousands of people, you, you can, I mean, that's what you're, that's why cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia by a trained professional is going to be way more effective than anything else. And, you know, I obviously, I study solutions that try to replace the clinician just because there's such a big problem. But obviously at the end of the day, you can't beat a real person empathizing with your situation and trying to steer you in the right direction. Who's had experience with, you know, lots of similar situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you mentioned that. I agree. Like trained professionals definitely can help, but there are such a shortage of trained professionals, right? So I think what you are doing is so important. I actually watched your TED Talk about deep sleep and sound. I find that's very interesting. And I think, you know, I'm wondering, I'm curious, those kind of technology, whether can really help a lot more people, even help professionals like us, we can do certain things. We can do sleep restriction. We can help people be less anxious about sleep without certain technology, right? We we possibly can only do too much, so much to really help people. But like, like the how to improve the deep sleep, how important is deep sleep? What's the sound and other technology is it just sounds so interesting can you share more about those with us yeah and and this is probably why i got interested in sleep i i worked uh, i i took a grad level class when i was an undergrad at madison taught by um juliana tononi which he's like a founder in this theory of why we sleep called one of the reasons which is the synaptic homeostasis hypothesis and it's basically that during deep sleep, you downregulate all the activation of your brain that happened during the day, such that the relevant things to your survival rise to the top. And then you um, reinterpret and process that information into long-term memory when you're in REM sleep. Um, and so that's why like, if your mouse is exposed to like a new environment, they actually get more deep sleep because they're processing that new environment. And, you know, that's probably why children, you know, their brain is like basically molding down their neurons. Um, basically, there's only so much space in the brain. So we have this process for down-regulating the important things and then interpreting and integrating that information during REM. And then I got into all these recent findings about how deep sleep in particular clears out beta amyloid pl- plaques that 
form throughout the day. So basically when the neurons are firing in your brain throughout the day, metabolic waste forms and deep sleep in particular is sort of a cleansing system for your brain that clears out these beta amyloid that plaques, which are linked to mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease. And so that's sort of my research focus. Uh, the question is, how do we actually make sleep deeper? And so I'm always trying to figure out a way, a way to do that. It started out doing this deep sleep stimulation thing. So I was working for the Air Force and the Naval Research Labs, and we were doing a lot of work in direct current stimulation. And that's where a lot of this liter literature comes from, is literally zapping the brain in the delta frequency pulse rate while you're in deep sleep. And they'll actually do it at the up and down of the delta waves to entrain more deep sleep. The question in the literature is always, is this actually regenerative or is it sort of a um, artifact of maybe something like a K-complex, which I think can look like a deep sleep brainwave, basically. So my TED Talk is about that. And so we, since the TED Talk, we brought people into our laboratory at Penn State and what we were trying to do is see if audio stimulation can do something similar, because theoretically it could be much more applied than, you know, an electricity, electrical current that's zapping your brain. And we wanted to do it non-phase locked, which means instead of having to time it to the up-down delta wave, so, you know, your delta wave is this long brave, uh, wavelength brain wave. Instead of doing it to the up at the uptick and the downtick, we would instead try to um, just do it without having to measure EEG, so it could be delivered to everybody. So we had a technician stay up all night, look at the brain waves, and then systematically deliver these sounds. And from that, we published a paper in the Science and Nature of Sleep, showing that we could increase delta waves when we did it basically right below waking someone up. Because the danger with all this is that if you play a sound too loud, you will wake someone up, right? Um, so we either played it too loud or, or right below waking them up. And we showed that we could increase their delta waves and their delta power, basically, um, and the duration of, of delta. I wasn't completely convinced by the COGS. So we want to show improved cognition the next day. That's like the main output that we want to demonstrate. So we had that. We understand how sounds can maybe help people sleep deeper. And we instantiated that in the sleep space software. So if you go to sleepspace.com slash union, you can try it for free for 30 days. The thing that we realized is, all right, this is sort of an out there finding. Maybe it works. I'm not 100% convinced. That's just like where I sort of sit on it. But we do know that um, from these studies, how to basically block out noise pollution to more effectively get you to sleep deeper. Because one thing I was struck by is like, even like an air conditioning turning on will wake someone someone's brain up while they're sleeping. They won't even be consciously aware of it oftentimes. Um, and there's some sound masking technology that we developed where we'll actually measure your sleep every 30 seconds and then gradually ramp up this smart sound machine, we call it, such that it more effectively blocks out noise pollution when you're asleep. 
And so that's just like a simple thing that we can do. And the way that I think about sound, light, and temperature for enhancing sleep is we're addressing the stimulus control aspect of healthy sleep. And what I mean by that is the more stimuli. So a lot of times, you know, stimulus control is save your bed for sleep and sex only. It would be like obviously the classic example because you want to associate your bed with sleep. I'm like kind of doing that on steroids because I'm creating all these associations with light, sound, and temperature to put you into that sleep state. So we'll do the smart sound machine. We'll dim your lights when you do your wind down and we'll play ocean waves that go into the sound machine and then wake you up with smart light in the morning very gradually um, to help you get that. And you'll wake up with like 528 hertz and it's a smart alarm clock basically. And so that's the solution that we're trying to validate right now in a clinical trial. Wow, you are basically touching on all the important components <laughs> like can really help us fall asleep, sleep better, and even wake up consistently. Yeah, so it's been a lot of work and, you know, I, hopefully people will take an interest and we have like meditations and stuff in there when you can't fall asleep and all, all that stuff. Right, right. Like personally, I use smart light and I set up the wake up time. So the light gonna automatically, you know, but I I use just a typical Philips and those things. They're not fancy and I'm not sure how useful it is to sleep directly, but at least I can set the timing. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to integrate with Philips Hue. Right now we integrate with LifeX bulbs. When you do your wind down, it'll automatically turn my whole home. This is like my wind down. I basically press my app, it winds down, all the lights in my home turn red. Uh, it plays ocean waves for half an hour. And then when I'm ready for bed, I put the phone in um, my... Oh, yeah. I also made this weird, me crazy mechanism. It's actually a phone charger. And so this is the other part that we're validating. Oh, okay. Um, and so it'll actually uh, measure your sleep without touching you. Because um, I'm guessing you have insomniacs that don't want to wear something, which is a common thing. Right, right. So we measure the micro motions through the mattress. And the reason we do it is to more directly deliver sounds on one side of the bed versus the other, which ended up being a really important thing. Cause like, just for example, like my fiance is more, um, I don't know she has like worse hearing than me or something. And I'm more sensitive to sound. So she'll like crank up her sound more than I will, but there's some differential because we get it on the different sides of the bed basically. Trying to think about all these things. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, all this uh, great science, great uh, applications of science come from life, right? And when you mentioned the sound, it's so interesting. I hear so many patients talking about white noise, right? Some people complain about white noise. Some people rely on white noise to fall asleep, but got, like you said, waking up in the middle of night and have to do something about it. But sounds like we... We, if we use sound in a more scientific way and possibly different type of sounds, that actually can really benefit us. Yeah. And so I have all this intellectual property and patents. This is the way I'm able to get these grants. Uh, and so I get really weird with it. So I don't know if you ever deal with um, anyone with trauma, basically. Mm. And oftentimes that can be 
a major source of sleep problems. You know, there's something called, um, oh my God, I'm not a clinical psychologist. So um, it's like uh, when you rewrite your dreams. Oh, yes. Um, it's a type of treatment for the nightmares. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, dream completion therapy, I think. Sometimes people call it I that. Think there are two different names, IRT or ERRT. Both yeah, that's the more scientific one. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think it has is pretty well proven. Like it's there's some legit science behind it. One of my thoughts around that, and I've sort of tried to I patented this to some degree, is you know, imagine you're you know you have some kind of trauma. You're, you have this recurring nightmare that happens every single night almost or whatever. And, you know, what they do, and you can probably explain it better than I can, but my, my layman's understanding is you'll find a creative solution for the nightmare and then sort of try to focus the person on that new solution that maybe resolves the nightmare in some literal way for the person. And that can help mitigate the nightmare. Is that basically? Yeah, I think that's a possibly simpler version of understanding that when I try to explain right. that to people similarly, right? Try to come up with a new, safer, better, more empowering scenario and rehearse right. that one to replace the old, powerless, horrible one. So my IP, my patent is around, imagine we're playing a special sound while you're meditating on that new dream. And then in real time, while you're dreaming that nightmare, for example, we replay the sound in such a way that it doesn't wake you up. And then we could, you know, through Pavlovian conditioning, through like behaviorism, we can actually, through that association, make you more likely to resolve the dream. So that's a weird direction for, for some of the sound stuff. But. Wow, that's a really cool direction. I think that totally makes sense you connect something with a certain song. It's kind of like hypnosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that sound is a cue Yeah. for you to go into a certain state or get yes. you out of a certain state. Exactly. Ah, wow. I like all these wonderful directions you are going. <laughs> Probably too many directions. That's part of my problem. <laughs> you know, sometimes a creative brain always are very, you know, active and but beautiful things come out of that. I'm sure you can, you you will have priorities for some certain things, possibly based on the grant you get. So different things slowly come up. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, I mean, just as an example for the creative type, I mean, a lot of people, you know, creative activities happen at night. And so that's another type of insomniac, basically. Yeah. Um, like, I think a lot of people who write, you know, nighttime is when a lot of people do that. Sometimes there's a morning ritual, but, um, and I think there is actually a better time to be creative versus analytical based on your circadian rhythm. Um, for, you know, I think throughout the day, your overall neural activation is a little higher, which lends me to think that it's better to be creative at night. And I personally feel that way. And then to do more analytical work in the day. That's for the more biohacker kind of optimization person. 
Yeah, and also depends on our natural circadian rhythm, right? Sure. Exactly, yeah, if yeah. you you are an early bird, and by nine o'clock you're already super sleepy. Sure. <laughs> Brain won't work. <laughs> yeah, for the early bird, probably maybe doing the the work in the morning might be better. Sure. Yeah, but surprisingly, I don't know whether it's my bias. When I go to sleep conference, I meet all these wonderful sleep scientists, researchers. Almost most people, I would say, are night out somewhat. People are not sleeping. Well, I think some people that get in, interested in this naturally have some kind of problems. So, you know, I think night owls are more likely to have sleep problems, but that's just because of societal pressures. I think there's nothing wrong with this is my analysis. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with being a night owl. You can be have healthier sleep than a morning lark if it's more regular, basically. So the way I look at it is regularity is the key, you know, giving yourself the 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 cues at the same time every day. Yeah, wonderful. I think that goes to your original very important point is everyone need to understand where we are, right? What we need, our body need, and then go from there to utilize all this knowledge, science, and technologies you mentioned or you are developing to help us uh, sleep better. Exactly. Yeah, you summed it, you summed it up perfectly right there, and. I think the problem is all the algorithms from the devices are basically made on populations. They're not individualized at all. And honestly, they're usually made on 20 to 40 year old populations, you know? So the algorithms can break down when you start looking at a 60 year old sleep. And, and, and that's the current issue that the state of the art in sleep tracking is dealing with. Mm. Yeah, look forward to your research and like more and more to break all these patterns and build new things, really benefit diverse population. I would love to work with you on any and all that. That sounds great. Yeah, wonderful. I'm happy to connect you with other resources as well. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Um, uh, Gartenberg. And uh, do you have any like a uh, website, social media and anything else if our audience want to look into more of your work? Sure, you can follow me at Dr. Period Snooze. That's my Insta Instagram handle and uh, also my Twitter handle. Also check out sleepspace.com. As I said before, if you do sleepspace.com slash union, uh, you'll get a 30 day free trial to, to my technology. Wonderful, yes. I will also put all those uh, in the show notes and also in the description box. So everyone who are listening, can easily get to your website. Have a good sleep. At the end of the episode, I want to ask you, what methods have you used to help yourself sleep better? Leave a comment on any podcast platforms you're using and let me know. I want to take a moment sharing my trial experience with the prime soft lightweight down alternative comforter I have received this month. So it's very soft and lightweighted. I barely felt it when using it. However, be cautious about the weather when you try it. I tried it uh, in late September in California, and I actually felt cold in the middle of the night, and I had to get up and add another layer on top of me. So now I'm using this one on top of my other uh, comforter. So I have two comforters together and they keep me really warm. I don't even need my electronic blanket this year so far. So on their website, they said they use the hypoallergenic fuel 
However, when I tried it, my skin did feel a little bit itchy when my skin touched the comforter directly for a long time. So I was not sure whether because it was、uh, freshly out of the box that day, or、um, my skin just、uh, too sensitive overall. But for the price, I think it's an affordable product and works relatively well. So this is my honest trial experience, and hopefully it's helpful to you if you are looking for a comforter buy. If you want, give this one a try. Then please feel free to use the ten percent off coupon they offered to us. The coupon code is Ishan Ten. So this today's episode, I'm so grateful to have you listening today. I will see you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.